Welcome to A Time to Thrill. It's me, your host, Amy Austin. It is March 2023. And that means that this month without consent releases. I'm super excited for you to read book two in the Nicole Long Legal Thriller series. If you haven't started um, with Nicole Long and you're still stuck with Casey Court, Nicole now has a lovely prequel novella called Outcry Witness that gives her whole tragic backstory. And book one is Major Crimes and Without Consent is coming out a week from now on March 8th. And after that, the next book will be The Murders Began. And that's all I have planned for Nicole Long right now. I'm no longer planning 10 books (laughs) into the future. (laughs) Never again. Um, Getting trying to keep it short and sweet. Anyway, if you also... For subscribers to the Amy Austin newsletter, there is a short story that features both Casey and Nicole called False Positive. If you haven't already, check your inbox and you should download it. It's free, it costs you nothing. Um, But for those of you who may have missed it, actually, I'll just include a link in this newsletter. But without further ado, let me tell you about this month's guest. This month's guest is USA Today bestselling author Pamela Dumond. She has, okay, first she left. So (laughs) Pamela was a longtime fixture of LA. She lived here longer than I did. And she just moved at the end of last year. Um, It's very sad. So many people have moved. Um, We used to do beach walks. And so we will not be doing beach walks um, um, on the ocean anymore. Um, Not for a while. The other thing that I think you should know about Pam that I think is fascinating is that she is the, I don't know, the power, the story behind Aaron Brockovich. So about 20 years ago, um, Julia Roberts starred in Aaron Brockovich, which was a great movie. She won an Academy Award. Um, the movie did really well. But the origin of that story starts with Pamela Dumont. So you got to stay tuned and listen to that. Otherwise, it has been, <laughs> it's been uh, busy um, getting ready for a new release. And um, I have spent a lot of time chatting with authors who are some of my favorite people. Hopefully some of the people I've been chatting with, um, I'll convince to do the podcast. It's a little bit of arm twisting for some of them because introverted shy people (laughs) do not necessarily want to sign up to do, um, something broadcast, but I usually convince them. So hopefully, (laughs) um, soon we'll have some other authors that I know and love and that you, you probably know and love. So that's all that's going on. Um, Without Consent is out March 8th. You can read False Positive for free. Outcry Witness is the prequel. Major Crimes is book one. And The Murders Began is book three, which will be out hopefully at the end of 2023. It's February and the end of 2023 already feels ambitious, but fingers crossed. So without further ado, USA Today bestselling author Pamela Dumont. Hi, and welcome to A Time to Thrill. This is your host, Amy Austin. This month, I'm delighted to welcome USA Today bestselling author, Pamela Dumont. Hi, Pam. Hi. How are you? <laughs> I am. <laughs> you 
you're hilarious. I'm doing well. I'm doing well considering it's just been a crazy year. And, um, but I'm doing well. Thanks. So the first question I have is how is life outside of California? Because you've lived here, uh, I feel, okay. Almost 20 years, more than 20 years. How many years? (laughs) 30 years. Oh my God. Okay. Um, I know. God. Oh, wow. Um, I know. I moved there um, basically to get married. And then when my marriage like broke up, I'm like, I am not going back to Chicago. I, I am staying here for, for all the good, all the good weather. And I stayed for 30 years and I finally, um, it just hit me this last summer. Like I had to leave. I had to go. And when I, when I made that decision, it was just, I, it was, I didn't want to go like the next year. I wanted to go the next day. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I know. So I can't. So how, okay. Oh my God. I, I am not always a fan of California, but I don't know where else I'd live other than New York city. And those are two really expensive places. How did you decide to move where you did? Cause the world, well, okay. Maybe nobody moves to Illinois now. Cause I could just see the weather now. I, now I say it out loud. I don't know why I'm asking that question. It was like, no, no on Chicago. Cause I can't do that. Minus 40. Like, yeah, anymore. I know. I just realized after <laughs> I asked it, it's hard. It's cold now and it's really yeah. hard. I know. Um, so you did not want to move back there to a familiar place, even though it's, it's cold as cold as hell up there sometimes. No, I, I just, I, I couldn't do it. I mean, it's like, it, it dawned on me that um, I needed to be like when I, I lived in Mar Vista, um, which is close to Venice. Mm-hmm. And it was so charming when I moved there. It was sweet. No one really knew the area. And and it was cute little bungalows built, you know, for um, the was it was it Hughes that the the Howard Hughes air, airport that became oh, the defense, this, yeah. yeah, yeah. And it was so cute and charming and small. No one knew about it. And all of a sudden, like you know, like Google came in and all the little charming houses were like knocked down and McMansions were put up. And then COVID happened, and you know, it just became kind of a clash between the the very wealthy and the very poor and the people that had been sticking it out for a while. And it, it didn't, wasn't charming anymore. It wasn't, it didn't feel safe anymore. It didn't feel, it just wasn't home anymore, you know? And I'm like, why am I trying so hard to stay here when I can go someplace else and have it be and build a new home? And Charlotte, my dad, um, when he got remarried, he lit, he moved down here and so I'd come down and, and visit him and his wife and um, Charlotte felt really comfortable. It felt mm-hmm. very woodsy. It's very pretty. It's a lot less expensive. Um, unlike the Midwest, like some of the, some of the roads have, have curves in them, which is very exciting. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, I'm, I'm going to Charlotte. And I did. And how long have you been there? I want to say four months, but I don't know. Almost four months. I landed in October and like kind of like October 8th. It was, it was this insane road trip. Like my friends were like, you, you, you can't drive by yourself across country. I'm like, I have to drive by myself across country because the airlines will not take two cats. It made no sense for me. One of them was geriatric. It made no sense for me to 
um, hire someone. It just made, it just was like, I'm going to do this insane cross, this insane cross country road trip and, and drive. And, and I did it. I was shocked. (laughs) (laughs) And so how, okay. So four months is not 50 years, but how do you like the change so far? I mean, I will say this. I think one of the issues during COVID is that the lifestyle that we had significantly changed. So it's not as if you, you know, we're going out to parties like everywhere in LA today and then tomorrow you're in Charlotte. So, I mean, that's a big, the shift maybe is not as big in that app with the COVID in between. Well, you know, it, how has it, well, it's, it's been, it's been so bizarre because when I landed here, I had a rental car because my mechanics like your car is not going to make it across country. So you have to, you know, get something else. Mm -hmm. So, um, I drove it in, uh, I drove in a bigger car. I got here, I dropped off the rental car and I was carless. So (laughs) I ended up walking everywhere or taking lifts. So I, it was in a strange town for the most part, um, in a new place, um, without a car. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, all I knew is Whole Foods was 1.8 miles in one direction from where I lived, and the grocery store, the other grocery store, was 1.8 miles in the opposite direction. Oh my god! <laughs> so I was—I just bought a car, so I was carless. Everyone's like, "How's Charlotte?" I'm like, "I don't really know. I just know where I can pretty much walk to, and that mm. is really good." <laughs> yeah. So, with a car, how? Do you like it better? I mean, okay, so here's the thing. As an author, you're mostly home all day. Um, so you are now mostly home all day in a different location. Is it substantially exactly. different? Yeah, you know, you know, it it's much more like the Midwest. It's um I grew up um in the suburbs of Chicago with a lot of trees. I grew up in Downers Grove, uh, with a lot of trees. That's why the grove is in next to Downers. There was a grove there and um, lots of trees and wooded areas and you know and and that you know I went from being in an apartment on the second floor um in Venice with the next door neighbors on either side like you know eight feet away to being in this this townhouse that is like 758 square feet with vaulted ceilings in a loft looking out over a tree in a backyard with squirrels and bunnies and birds and deer. And I'm like, oh my God, I landed in an enchanted forest. (laughs) (laughs) How did this happen? You know, where I was used to like, you know, the guy who beat up his wife who lived down the block and the naked streaker and like, you know, What happened? I've moved to this enchanted fairy tale land called Charlotte. (laughs) So it's wonderful in that regard, you know, and I'm paying a fraction of the cost of Venice. So. And do you, is it more inspirational? I'll ask this because I haven't written outside of a large city, so I don't know. (laughs) <laughs> yes, it is more it is more inspirational because I feel like I'm living in a tree house. So when when you're in when I realized here's the interesting thing is um I'm friends with Erin Brockovich and she came out to visit a couple times. She was doing um some work with Camp Camp Lejeune, Le I'm going to say that incorrectly. Mm-hmm. Um where there was the toxic, uh, the very, 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 very bad toxic water situation there. And many, many people got, got poisoned. And so she'd come around, didn't have a car and we'd tool around. It's the only time I got out of the house was when she, she came into town 
and we drive everywhere and, and she, and I tell her these stories and, and I, I said, I said, do you realize, I said, my dad is buried at a church that is one mile from the place that I rented. And I didn't know that when I rented the place, I had no mm -hmm. idea. So in, uh -huh. and Aaron looked at me and she goes, Oh my gosh, she goes, he called you home. He called mm -hmm. you home. And I'm like, it just got me so, you know, so emotional. And I'm like, Oh my God, it's like, you know, he did, he was probably there on the ride and, you know, my crazy insane cross country <laughs> trip. So, um, I'm a mile from where dad is buried. So right now I'm, I'm home. That's great. So you, you mentioned Aaron Brockovich. And so that's one of the first things I think I knew about you. So, well, can you tell people who Aaron Brockovich is? Cause I don't know what anybody knows. Um, Aaron Brockovich, um, about 20 years ago, they, they made, um, a movie about, um, something that she did was pretty amazing. And, um, I think all people, not all people, but a lot of people that are middle-aged and or older know the movie and it was cause it was titled after her, which was very right. smart. <laughs> uh, it was called, called Aaron Brockovich and it was, she was down on, down on her luck, single mom who, um, got a job at a, at a little kind of piddly law firm as kind of a clerk basically. And, um, she was filing these, basically filing these, these papers. And she realizes that there was a, a cancer cluster, um, in this small town in California and that really no one was paying attention. And she started because she's so bright and she has a kind of mind that can put things together. She started figuring out where the cancer was coming from and it was coming from the water. PG&E mm -hmm. was basically knowingly poisoning the water in this small town and people were coming down with all these bizarre kinds of cancers and the kids were, you know, getting sick and not just like a little bit sick, but like really sick and people were dying and it became this huge, big lawsuit and, and the little guys won. The little mm -hmm. guys won and it was basically because Aaron was so persistent and so determined and spent so much time with that very, very bright mind and those very, very short mini skirts that she used to <laughs> love to wear, um, putting the pieces of the puzzle together. And I felt very strongly at the time when she would come in, uh, I was her chiropractor and she'd come in and she'd tell me these stories. I'm like, oh my God, Erin, like this is a hero's journey. Like this is an amazing story. This would make a great movie. And she's like, well, if you know anyone, tell them. I'm like, I think I do. <laughs> you know, because these are the things that happen in LA, you know, right. I I think I do know someone. And so Carla Schomburg came in and she was, um, Carla um, was at Jersey films at the time and she was new to Jersey films and she was dating um, Michael Schomburg, who was one of the owners. And she was unbeknownst to me, she was looking for um, female empowerment films. And I'm like, mm -hmm. Holy moly, here we go. You know, and I told her this story. I said, I have this, this, this story about this woman who did this amazing, amazing thing and helped all these people and then ended up, you know, basically getting, you know, paid a couple million dollars for, you know, as a bonus to help. And she's like, you've got to be kidding me. I'm like, no, true story. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, so I set them up. Um, I remember we went to Carla's house. It was um, on Aaron's birthday with a bottle of champagne and, 
you know, Erin, you know, to, you know, introduce the two of them and Erin showed up in one of her, like, you know, she loved wearing those high heels, like those big, tall high heels and this mm-hmm. mini skirt and Erin's tall, you know, she's like 5'11", and she, you know, with the bustiers and, and, um, and Carla is like little itty bitty petite, looks like a little wood sprite, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> and that was how they started sharing, you know, Erin's story. And that's what kicked the whole thing in. And then a couple of years later, um, it, it became the Academy Award nominated, you know, it was nominated for four Academy Awards and Julia Roberts won Best Picture and it was directed by Steven Soderbergh and um, it, it was amazing. Mm-hmm. And so can I, okay, that is well it's 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 it's, i want to say it's either an la thing or a unique experience how do you feel about that like bringing those people together to bring that story to the world um how do i feel about it i have i have i have happiness and sadness um happiness that the story got out Mm -hmm. um happiness that the story got made i'm sad that i didn't know at the time that I should be attaching more to that story. Mm-hmm. And um, so in, in hindsight, hindsight being perfect, perfect sight, I probably, I would have found a way to become more attached to that story. I did get a special thanks credit, mm-hmm. but um, again, hindsight being perfect sight, it would have been nice to um, be more of that ride. If that makes mm-hmm. any sense. Right. Did you think about that back then? Because I don't know. I'm trying to think. I was going through a divorce back then. And so that's pretty much my head was really in the fact that I was going through this split with my ex-husband. And, you know, I, I didn't, it just wasn't on, on my, on my radar, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, no, yeah. yeah. So there you go. But then <laughs> X, X number, of, there you go. But then X number of years later, it was really nice is that, um, you know, interest has arisen once again, and um, I'm blanking on her name. Um, um, the writer who uh, who does Grey's Anatomy, not Shonda Rhimes, but um, I can't think of her name. Um, but the one who kind of inherited that 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 whole dynasty um, from mm-hmm. Shonda um, did. Um, they they licensed. Um, Aaron's uh, a based on Aaron's story and they did um, an ABC show called rebel that lasted a year. So a lot of interest came up around that time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I was on ABC 2020, which was super fun. And um, so it kind of cycled back around, if that makes any sense. As everything does, I think here. Um, so many things coming around and go around, which is why nobody yeah. ever says no. Because you never know when they're going to come back around. Um, and so you're friends with her to this day. So she's been in Charlotte to see. Yeah, she's, um, you know, she is a dynamo. She's also, um, she's become, I think, quite the figurehead for um, um the issues issues with water pollution and issues with um, um, toxic cases where big corporations basically take advantage of smaller people and smaller mm-hmm. towns and smaller communities basically because they can, you know. And so, 
yeah she's 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 very she's a figurehead for that she's she's very um she's very smart she's very feisty she's very down to earth and so i think when people come up with they're like who do we want to be able to talk to the people they think of erin because she is so down to earth Mm -hmm. no it's happened in massachusetts i'm sure you know and like tom's river new jersey and many other places where they have these cancer clusters and everyone pretends that they have no idea how it, it came to be until, exactly. you know, <laughs> until we reveal how it came to be. Um, and a lot of lawsuits, but unfortunately a lot of death and illness, especially of children who yeah. don't have the bodies to tolerate large, massive carcinogens. You know what I mean? So right. it's, it's, it's unfortunately an ongoing problem. I'll just say that, which is, it's really unfortunate, but they're, they pop up from time to time and it, it, it often makes me sad. Actually, I wrote a book about one, um, fictional and um because it because it happens so often and that the case court yeah yeah it's yeah yeah it's a book called poisoned but basically you know the cancer cluster and everybody like throws up their hands and they're like i don't know um and in the book unfortunately i mean it, it happened the way it often happens where people get compensation but the compensation's insufficient i don't know i don't know if there's yeah. enough money to make up for my child, you know, has, you know, childhood cancers or, you know, especially in a country where we don't have, you know, universal health care. So it's just, it's, un, it's, it's not great. <laughs> it's not great. Well, it's, it's even, even when you look at, you know, there's so it's, it's, I think we, we live in this disposable age of, um, I'll do whatever I want because if they find out, what does it matter? Because I'm right. big and I'm more big and powerful, so therefore I can do whatever I want. And then they get caught, and it's like a slap on the wrist. And then they go do it again because yeah. you know, it's funny. <laughs> no. It's, and it's, I agree. Yeah. I mean, I've read a lot about it, and it's not. It started with oh, I can't remember the Jonathan Horror book. This is so many years ago. Um, I think that's Massachusetts. And um, and then I read the Tom's River one too. And it's just, you know that they can hop to the next place because we live in a society where people would be like, oh, we want the corporation to come or we want the jobs to come. And the consequences um, are not borne by the people who bring the problems. Exactly. And um, I think, you know, I think with Aaron, um the the draw is that she's so smart she takes no bullshit but she's also very relatable mm-hmm. and kind and she would walk into a living room um she can and the the poorest living room of someone you know in 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 a small house in a in a in a tough community as easily as she could walk into a malibu mansion to go to Mm -hmm. some party, you know, there's, there's no discrimination on, on, in, in her mind, you know what I mean? Right. So I think that's one of the very relatable factors about her. And that's why they continue to the, these law firms continue to work with her to um, shed, shed light, you know, on, on issues. So. Yeah, no, so it's a, it's, a super interesting thing. So speaking of which, are you doing, um, are you practicing as a chiropractor now that you moved? Because I know state to state, you know, moving credentials is its own. I know I haven't. Yeah. To be honest with you, I have not even checked into it yet because getting, there were so many moving parts just to get here. 
mm-hmm. um, you know, that I'm like, I'll deal with that when I, when I get here. And I just, I haven't even looked into it yet. All I know is that I'm keeping the California license and keeping that updated, you know, and um, I'll deal with the other, you know, when I, when I have time, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and so how did you move from, okay. Okay, I have this conversation on this podcast fairly often because the women I interview all seem to have had some other job that would not necessarily lead you to make the leap from that to author. So I'm going to ask you, the chiropractor to author leap, What? how did that happen? Um, what was it about? What happened? How did you How did you get from one to the other? Well, I think it was more about how I got back. Um, you know, when I was a kid, um, my, my, my parents were, my father, especially, he's like, you can't go to school for silly things. You You must have a profession. And there weren't that many professions back then. Um, according to my father, (laughs) doctor, lawyer, you know, was, was kind of it. (laughs) And, um, so my brother was a chiropractor. So I, you know, he's six years older. So I always kind of had that little younger sister thing where I thought, well, if he can do it, I can do it too. (laughs) So I became a chiropractor and, but I was, I've always been a reader, always, always. Um, I stuttered when I was a child badly. So my mom would kind of like drop me off at the library and, you know, I'd pick up 10 books and then she'd pick me, pick me back <laughs> up and take me and then take me back to the library next week. I drop off 10 books, pick up 10, 10 more. You know? right. So um, it was a love of, of reading and writing at a very early age that I, I didn't know what to do with. And so um, I was constantly trying to, write all these decades and all these years. And my ex-husband actually um, was involved in non nonfiction writing. They would hire writers to write the material and, and then kind of put their names on it, you know, as mm-hmm. an anthology, so to speak, which right. was interesting in and of itself. Um, <laughs> like, oh, you don't really write that. That's cute. <laughs> um, <laughs> but... Um, so I was constantly looking for where is it going to be for me? Is it going to be in nonfiction? Is it going to be fiction? You know, when they picked up Aaron's story, I'm like, is it going to be screenwriting? And eventually, you know, I wrote a bunch of scripts, took a bunch of classes, did all of that. And then eventually it became, um, I knew this woman who um, was writing kind of a cross between a mystery and a, and a, a like a romantic um romantic mystery, basically, mm-hmm. um, high octane action adventure. And she got six figures with a traditional publisher. And I'm like, well, again, like, hmm, maybe I could do that. And, right. um, cause it's, it's always like, hmm, maybe I can do that. And, um, so that's when I started focusing on a, basically a funny mystery and, I started shopping that to agents. Everyone was like, no, 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 no. And I finally found someone who said yes. And then she ended up getting fired. (laughs) And at that point, a friend of mine took it to this teeny tiny press. And he's like, yes. I'm like, great. And that was 2010. And then by 2011, I'm like, what do I need this guy for? There's a thing called (laughs) self-publishing. So I don't know. Um, that's kind of how it got going, I guess. Wait, did you get your rights back from that first book? 
Yeah, he only had it for 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 two years, I think. Wow. So it what was, happened to his teeny tiny press? I always wonder what happened to people. Press. Well, I think his he made he made enough money from a come a, a handful of people that um, he did pretty good, and then everyone kind of wanted to go off and do their own oh. thing, and then the gates of self publishing had opened, mm-hmm. and. So he still had a couple people, and then he and I parted ways after um, we had a fallout on some political stuff that he mentioned on social media, which isn't the best, best idea in the world. <laughs> no, uh, I oh, he needs a friend. They all need a friend who's like, don't, don't, don't post that. <laughs> I know, and 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 he didn't have it. And subsequently, I found out through that mutual friend who set you know me up with with this press that he's you know passed on, but. Um, I will always, you know, be grateful that he gave me a chance, you know, because otherwise I'm not sure I would have had the the chutzpah to self-publish my first book. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I think so for many of us, not all of us, because I've met a lot of people who were like, I'm just going to put it right out there. And I was always like, wow, okay. But it was only after a disappointing publishing, traditional publishing journey where you're like, oh, I can do that. (laughs) You know, it's not... I mean, you know, look, if I had come out with six figures in like a uh, ad on the side of a bus, I may have been in a different position. But, you know, as a romance writer who was writing, you know, series romance, we were a little bit more disposable and actually may still be. And so when when I realized the publisher didn't love me as much as I thought they might, you know, then you're like, Oh, I can do this on my own. Cause I love myself more than you love me for, for you. I'm one of 50 or 500 or whatever. And for me, I'm one of one. Um, and so when did you self publish your first book? I did a novella in 20. Oh gosh. I think it was like December 31st, 2011. I think I stuck <laughs> it in like, like the day before. Mm-hmm. Um, and then from there on out, it was just like, you know, I thought that I, I did a YA time travel that I, that I shopped for a, a hot second and then realized it wasn't vampires <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and, or, or dystopian. So that wasn't going to fly right. <laughs> back, back in 2012. So, um, yeah, I kind of got into it in 2011 you know, end of 2011, 2012. So you so, were a fairly early adopter because the the earliest people I know were 2010. And I don't know if that's when it first, you could first do it on Amazon or when they first had the Kindle or whatever. I met those people and I was like, oh, I don't usually throw myself off a cliff, but I will, I will watch you and see what happens. Um, but by 2012, well, I don't think I published my first book until 2013, maybe. Um, by then it was... Not not the way it is now, but certainly a path that was more available. Did you enjoy the early days of self-publishing? Because it's it's so much different than it is now. <laughs> yes and no. Um, I never made zillions of dollars self-publishing. It's like I always seem to find that niche that is not quite the niche. Like, oh, that's a weird little cozy mystery. You're not supposed to have like sexy times. I'm like, oh, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and also, it, it seemed like every time I get to that point, mm-hmm. something like I'd a, a little bit of squirrel mind. Um, I couldn't 
stick to a lane. Mm-hmm. I also like, um, like in 2012, I decided I was going to, I couldn't keep up with the house. So I decided to get, to let that go. And then in, you know, 2013, we started having problems with my mom's health, you know? And so 2013 was all about what do we do with mom, you know, Mm -hmm. like moving her from here to here to here, you know? And, and then all of a sudden we're in 2014, you know? It's like a zip by, it's like, Oh, here we are, you know? So all these people that were like, like I'm making one bazillion dollars self-publishing. That was not me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so wait, can I ask you, I mean, okay, your mother is a different issue, but if you had to do it over differently, would you have done it any differently? I mean, would you have picked I a lane or picked, I don't know. I would have picked a lane. I would have picked a lane. Mm-hmm. I did not know that. I just was so... Like I was just dying to write YA, you know, I was just, you know, I, I like the cozy mysteries, but then I got kind of a little bored. And I also like, I couldn't, except for a handful of people, I just, I'll never forget this. This is, this is going to sound so ridiculous, but I joined like, you know, mystery writers of America. Cause that's what we're, you know, supposed mm-hmm. to do and I went to their like holiday function in LA and I kid you not um it was like seven people huddled around a little fire in an empty like building and I'm like who are these people <laughs> <laughs> I'm like this is so sad I drove all the way to Hancock Park for this mm-hmm. <laughs> and, I'm like, and I'm like I I need to get involved in the romance community. They seem like they're more fun. (laughs) So, um, and we know how much fun that was. Um, So, you know, it's, it's, I, I really, in hindsight, I would have picked the lane Mm -hmm. and made myself, or at least two lanes instead of like, you know, three or four. Right. So wait, what genres have you written? I know there's a time travel. I know there's YA and I know there's cozy. And then there's just, well, it's like contemporary romance, but sweet. Um, well, I also got my, a, a little bent out of shape and I started writing um, spicier contemporary romance. That's right. Yes. Um, <laughs> because I needed to. And, um, and then when I came up with the Courtesan series, I just, I'll never forget talking with you about that, that time that we went to see, um, Tracy, Tracy what's her last name? McMillan, yeah. 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 And telling you that I just, I just remember just that idea for that, for that series. So that series has again been like, um, consumed a lot of years, but it's also been so interesting because it's almost a cross between a romantic mystery thriller you know mm-hmm, right. kind of a, a domestic noir it can't quite shove itself into a um you know a little niche it could kind of overlap so i write in too too many <laughs> you know oh my god so wait i have so many questions because i remember okay you finished the quarter so wait how many books have you written i don't know um i got into writing short little ones for a while mm-hmm. and because I wanted to write faster you know the whole fast 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 thing yes fast release rapid release not yes. very not very good at it I'm not very good at that 
And um, so I would be like, oh, let's write something really quick. It's about blah, 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 you know? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and, and then I'd be like, oh, well, that's only like 33,000 words or mm -hmm. 34,000 words. So um, I think I've got like 32, 35, something, 30, something like somewhere kind of in there, you know? Okay, so and what so are the majority of them? Because there was also comedy too. Now that I think about it, there's yet a I lot know. of lanes. I know. Uh, I'm in a lot of lanes. What's the majority of them? Well, the, the, the Annie Graceland mysteries are what I started with and what I'll keep doing. I mm -hmm. just made that character evolve, right? right. Um, and I, the last one that I wrote for her was um, the last one that I can think of that I like. I actually, I made her move to Wisconsin. Poor, poor Annie. <laughs> <laughs> not because Wisconsin is not glorious. It's just, it's cold. Right. And, um, and, but I, I got her with her, her aunt, her great aunt who, you know, is, you know, a retired witch and her cousin who's taking Zoom classes to become a witch. And, you know, the, the haunted Cheesehead Lodge. And um, those are soup that, I only have one in that, but Totally any Graceland books, I think, are around ten or eleven, maybe. Oh, okay. So there's a there's there's a potential lane. So okay, I have two questions, but I'll I'll start with the one the go back question. When you were you said you took classes, were they mostly like screenwriting classes? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, so you have a well, not a different because LA is full of people who do screenwriting. But in terms of being an author, do you think that taking the screenwriting classes helped you be a better novel writer in terms of yes. developing stories. Cause that's something yes. we talk about all the time. Like screenwriting is very specific. Okay. It is very specific form, but it is very, it's very much about telling a story in a very short, I don't want to say short, but a limited time format. Like it can't be six hours. I mean, look, there's people who make the six hour movies and you know, whatever, but for the rest of us, the movie has to be like a certain length um, and it has to hit certain beats. Whereas novels obviously are a little more fluid, but as we've learned right. from, you know, like Theodore or anybody who talks about this, it's much, I don't want to say it's better if you follow a formula. It's better if you hit your beats. <laughs> um, I totally, totally agree. And I think that novel, um, that the, that the way it's laid out, the, the way the beats are laid out. If you look at, um, you know, the hero's journey, if you look at Chris, Chris Fogler, the writer's journey, Chris, Chris Fogler's, you know, works. Chris is, mm -hmm. um, Chris is amazing, amazing. Um, I, I actually got to know him because his wife was my realtor mm -hmm. and, um, I just, you know, what a, a nice, charming, wonderful, smart man. And, but so when you follow those, the beats of that story, I feel strongly that you can apply that to a novel quite, quite easily. And, mm -hmm. um, why not? Cause it's, it, it's, it's a roadmap. You right. know, and when I was doing Cortisone and I had um, in my brain this completely bizonker story um, that I had, I got two whiteboards, like enormous whiteboards and I put circles on them. And then I made the hero's journey circle on each whiteboard about what would happen within that story, mm -hmm. you know, and it was all screenwriting, screenwriting, um, posts that you really kind of want to or need to hit you know right, right. 
Yeah, no, that's, it's super interesting because I only read, so there are plenty of, I mean, there's like Stephen King, there's like, you know, Annie Lamott, there's plenty of books about writing, right. you know, on writing birth by bird, so on and so on. Um, and I have them all on my shelf, but what I only came across maybe six, seven, eight years ago, somebody's like, have you read Save the Cat? And I'm like, excuse me, what? Um, oh. And so when I read those, the three books of that one, it was only then that it became a little bit more compact and less amorphous, that storytelling thing. It was much more I like, agree. hit these beats, you know, this is the way you tell an engaging yeah. story. Exactly. And when I do the, like I do the, the, the big white poster boards and I would do a circle and I would put, here's, here's my beginning. And I would go through the save the cat, like beats, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. What needs to happen here? What needs to happen here? What needs to happen here? And it all made sense. You know what I mean? It all made sense as to arc it out like, like that. And, um, and even, you know, God, God bless him for like saying things like the Pope is in the pool. I'm like, right. in the pool. It's the Pope <laughs> in the pool moment. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it was just so great to be able to figure that out and, and see what was needed because my mind will work in details and mm-hmm. to put those details down and have them make sense. Super duper help helpful. I think actually, to be honest, now that I think about it, I think that the authors who got the most training in that, in my opinion, or those who wrote for Harlequin, because they had to write to a specific formula, to a specific word count. Um, and the parameters used to be, I think they're a little looser now, used to be very tight. And so people who could tell an engaging and sort of lovely story within these very, very tight parameters were able, are able to excel as storytellers because they had that early training. And I think that- sure. So interesting. Yes. Um, but I, I have found people who move from screenwriting or people who move from the early, uh, early traditional romance publishing days do both have that structure. I think if you read a lot of books, you can sort of absorb that structure, but books are a little amorphous and there are so many outliers, especially in traditional publishing. Um, actually, I was thinking about this yesterday. So I've been reading a lot of traditional publishing books lately. And what's Mm -hmm. interesting is that indie books really do start in media res. They have more dialogue. They have more action. And I'm reading a book now, and I swear to God, it's it's a New York Times bestselling author. The first two chapters are just backstory. His family came over on the Mayflower, and then his grandfather did this, and then his father did that, and then his mother moved here, and then he went to the Hamptons, and now he's in Andover. And I was like, oh, my God, is this 20 pages of, like, just – just, you know, just disposition. And then it was like the heroine and it was like, she was born here and then they got in the car and they drove across country. And I was like, oh my God, I didn't, nobody talked until chapter three. And then it was only like briefly before they launched into backstory. I'm half, I'm like maybe a quarter, a third of the way through the book. And this, it's still telling. And I'm like, is anybody ever going to have a conversation? Um, well, you know, what's so- really interesting is mm-hmm. that, um, have you watched White White Lotus? Yes, I saw it on a plane. Okay, a long plane ride. Okay, yes. so so um, I I read an interview with Mike Mike White, and mm-hmm. and he said that he wrote all these quirky stories, you know, mm-hmm. um, but no one, not that many people watched them, and then he finally figured out he should put a murder like in the first episode. <laughs> And I'm like, oh my God, 
this is, I need to Mike White, like the rest of my, from here on out, I'm going to try and Mike White, like <laughs> the rest of my mm-hmm. books, because I too am guilty of like, you know, let's wait a really long time to get to where we need to go before the story opens. And my friends are like, hmm, maybe you need to move that up a little bit. <laughs> And so, no. <laughs> oh God! So I I hear you, you know. And I I'm not gonna say I'm not guilty of this. Like I realized, I think I don't know if I told you this. Like a few years ago, like I realized, like the first four or five books I wrote, that she was either driving or sitting in her house looking in the mirror, and I thought contemplating her life, and I was like, oh my God, please stop. Um, so I never, even if I think that way, I have to either write it and throw it away or start farther along. But I know that the urge is like, I have this whole story in my head. Let me tell you the whole thing. Um, Every single (laughs) film that you must know. Right. And so, well, I, as a listener, I'm happy to hear all sorts of details as a reader. I am finding that one of the reasons I, I don't know, maybe it's because I'm older just start the story already. And you can tell me later about his like Mayflower family, but can we just, who does he meet? What's going to happen? I know. I know. <laughs> it's so interesting. It, it's like, that's, I think how we evolve though, as, as writers is mm-hmm. at the beginning, we want to share every single detail. And now like 10 years later, or 11 years later, or many years later, is it 13 years later, I'm like, just get to the story, Pamela, just tell <laughs> them. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's been it's it's actually an interesting journey, and um, I know the unfortunate part, I guess, is that we all have to start at the beginning. Um, but my tolerance for meandering, um, both in reading and my own writing, is much lower than it used to be. I'll just say that. Um, but, um, but I'm with you, just, and sometimes I look at my older works, I'm like, oh my god, what was I thinking? And I'm like, <laughs> I know. I trust me. I look at it. And I go, Oh my God, I can't believe anybody slogged through her like inner monologue <laughs> to get to the story, but bless you for, for buying it. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> bless you, bless you for that. Um, it's, it's just interesting to see that. So speaking of which, one of the things that we have talked about, well, okay, let me go back. One of the things that you did that was really interesting is um, you did, how can I say this? Your book was adapted for this online platform app. I'm so bad. I'm so old. Um, Called Chapters. And I, how would you describe it? It's a, I don't even know. I want to call it like choose your own adventure, but I'm dating myself even with that. It is an interactive graphic storytelling medium. I don't know. How would you describe it? Well, let me see if I'm going to um, answer that question correctly. And if not, steer me in a different direction. Mm-hmm. So um, a couple years back, Chapters um, uh, adapted uh, a cozy mystery uh, about a cat who basically thinks he's James James Bond. Right. Um, although we call him we call him something else because that that name's been 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 taken. <laughs> <laughs> and um, at the time. Um, I don't think the company, um, Crazy Maple, uh, knew knew what was going to stick. So they optioned a whole bunch of different types of stories and they kind of, you know, did a little of little cozy mystery, a little, little, a lot of romance. And I think eventually, I think enough years have gone by, I think 
um, chapters, which is the name of their, their app and their, their, not their company, but you know, their, their platform, it -hmm. seems to really, really be hitting it with romance. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, um, they at the time would not allow, you know, I think they do allow now, but back then six years ago, whatever it was, um, five years ago, whatever it was, would not allow um, the authors to adapt their own material into game format. However, that said, I am now mm-hmm. with a different company and I am allowed to adapt my, not only adapt my stories into a game, but they have created the software to make a game mm-hmm. platform. So okay. that's what I'm working on now, which is really, really exciting, at least for me. And so this is the Story Loom, correct? Yeah, this is Story Loom. So Story Loom is owned by Pixelberry, and Pixelberry is the company behind Choices. Um, okay, and Choices right. is another interactive um, uh, story, uh, choose-your-own-adventure platform, different company than Crazy Maple, different company than Chapters. And so I had been talking to a friend of mine a couple of years ago. I'm like, you know, where is the platform with all these apps that are coming out now? Where is the platform for people to self-publish their own games. And this mm-hmm. is this is it. <laughs> this uh, is okay. the platform. Yeah. So it is still in beta. So they have developed all of this software and to literally drag and drop and create your own story. They have sound effects. They have art. Um, they have backgrounds. They have music. They, it, it, it's, it's, it's nuts. Um, uh, they, and I started working with them back in September in their, in their beta group, right? We weren't even really allowed to talk about it until December. Mm -hmm. Um, we have not launched big time yet. Um, it's still very close to the ground, Mm -hmm. but beta is open. If you want to go and play games, you can currently play them for free. If you want to check out their software to adapt your own story, you have access to that. Um, there is no sign up with credit card. It is only a Gmail. Um, Pixelberry is renowned for being a really great company who treats their employees well and treats their people well. And they're really into um, supporting whoever needs to be supported. It's like they're a good company. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm really excited to see it, it's, it's a, it's a new venture. It's like, you know, I'm really excited to see what becomes of it. Um, so have, so let me ask you, cause on the front end, so I've, I did do your chapters game years ago, but this is so many years ago now. Um, are, will the, are the story of them, okay. From the user end, are they similar in terms of, you know, guys walking down the street. Should I talk to him? Should I not talk to him? You know, the choose your own adventure aspect, I guess. It depends on the author. Okay. Mm -hmm. So because, um, we, um, everyone's a little different. Mm -hmm. Um, we we go in and, and we, um, figure out what, I mean, I adapted courtesan because I wanted to see, I wanted to see what courtesan, um, would look like as a game. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. And not just, not just one courtesan book. Oh no, no, I'm doing five. (laughs) So, so, but I wanted to see what it would look like. And, um, 
So I pick, um, I don't think the art is as fancy as the art that you're going to find in a choices game by Pixelberry or in a chapters game by Crazy mm-hmm. Maple. But the art that is comes with their software to be able to drag and drop, drag and drop a box for um, your character to go into a platform and say, I want my character to be um, male or female. I want my character to be anime or look like a visual novel. I want my character to have this skin color. I want my character to have this kind of face, round, square, diamond. I want my character to have be aggressive, neutral, shy. I want my character to have this kind of hair. I want my character to have this kind of eyes. I want them to be mm-hmm. how old. Like we, we pick everything, mm-hmm. which is wild. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's just wild. It's like being in this little universe of all the people that talk to you in your head when you created a story. Right. <laughs> now, you're, now you're taking those little people from your story and giving life to them in a, in a game situation. Okay, Which so are is, you adapting both your own and others as well? I'm not adapting others. I'm only adapting my own right now. Right now, I have I am adapting um, Courtesan series as a romantic mystery, as a as a thriller, you know, ro- as a romantic thriller. And I'm also adapting um, my my big fake mafia wedding as a rom com. Mm-hmm. Okay, so can I ask you? So from beginning to end, um, how long would you say it takes to? I don't even, I don't have a good verb for this. Put your book into this format. <laughs> well, it's so interesting because it's changing because it's it's in beta. And right. so I started this in September when I was getting ready to move cross country. So needless to say, I didn't get that much done that month. Right. Um, <laughs> and, and so, and as we go along, they keep updating the software. They keep right. updating the art. Like at the beginning, they had no pictures of anyone in, in like w- like winter. I'm like, where is the snow? Like my 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 readers are complaining complaining that I have the Christmas scene and it's like you know green outside. Like, <laughs> you, please please give me some some like snow. You know what I mean? And so it keeps changing. So how long it takes it? It was different from September until now. Okay. You know, and that's based on how far they are coming with their software and how far I am coming with learning how to, when you talked about screenwriting, adapt or write in a game format, which is different than novel. Oh my God. So how is it different? Because, okay, so let me say this. So my son does play um, some video games and I played video games a lot when I was like, let me just say like 30 odd years ago. And they are much more story focused and a lot less open world than they were when I played. So when I played, you know, they'd be like, save the princess. And it's like 40 hours between here and there and how you get there. Good luck figuring it out. And now I think they have a lot more guideposts for gamers. It's like, here, you're going to save the princess, but here are the eight steps, you know, get in the castle, learn the lock system, you know, you know, disable the guards and things like that. So it's a little bit more signposted in Mm -hmm. the thing that you're doing. Is it more for readers? Is it more open world or is it certainly like signposted? I think it's both because for example, because this in, in, in this, in Storyloom, 
um, the, the, the beta, the beta writers come from many backgrounds. The beta writers are coming from a gaming background. They're coming from novelists. They're coming from screenwriters. They're coming from comedians. They're coming from, um, you know, all different kinds of storytellers. Wow. Yes, exactly. (laughs) That's so like wild is to watch how people do things and to see what their forte is and to be like, wow, I never would have thought of that. And then, you know, my forte is obviously with cortisone, it's going to be more linear because I know who did what, and mm-hmm. it, that's not going to change at the end, right. like, you right. know, and so I can give people suggestions choices along the way, but that's not going to affect the outcome of the story because at the end of the story, person who's the bad guy is still going to be the person who's the bad guy, you know right. what I mean? Uh-huh. So but, but you can literally, some people are saying you can play as the elf or you can play as the witch or you can play as this or the, that, and you will affect how the story changes. So okay. everyone is doing like a different thing. And that's what's so interesting is they're not really coming down on us and saying, you need to do it this way. They're saying, we want to see what you want to do. This is so interesting. So how, okay. A, how are readers, readers, users, uh, it's um, not- it's not blown open yet because it's still in beta. But, so you're, they, but you're having some interaction with them. Yes. Um, or, or do they comment? I guess you don't know. You know, not a lot of people commenting yet. Not a lot of people commenting. I think they think the plan, the original plan was they were going to do a launch, a soft launch end of March. I don't know if that's still happening. Mm-hmm. That's the other thing that's super interesting. It's like they, they, the, the goalposts keep kind of moving. Right. So we're, because we're in beta, we still don't, we don't know that much, right. you know? So um, I, it's just kind of seeing like, like what happens, you know, like when I started this, you know, and I had in my big fake mafia wedding, I'm like, well, I'm going to have a wedding at some point, you know? So I need a bride character. And they only had like, I think two or three bride characters. I'm like, but she doesn't look like anything like my other character. And they're like, like don't worry <laughs> about it. And I'm like, no, no snow. And now, you know, you can make bride character out of like, you know, 5,000 different bride characters, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's, it's all, it's so interesting. And so what made you start doing this? Cause I know you have been, was it the introduction to that chapters game space or what is it that has piqued your interest about this space? Um, I, well, number one, I've been knocking on Pixelberry's door for a year, for a couple of years, because I feel like they're such a reputable company. I really kind of wanted to get a foot in the door there. Right. Mm-hmm. And cause when chapters wouldn't, you know, years ago, they wouldn't let me adapt my own thing. I'm like, oh, I'm going to go to Pixelberry. Um, <laughs> who still said no, but in a much more kind kind fashion. <laughs> <laughs> and I just kept knocking and knocking. And then, you know, I, like I said to my friend, I'm like, who's going to do, who's going to do the KDP? Who's going to do the, you know, for, and she's like, Pixelberry. I'm like, holy smokeroos. And so um, I was supposed to start with them like last March. And then um, my friend who had been hired as an editor for them, she had a family tragedy and um, she bowed out. And so um, they contacted me in August and they said, Uh we're entering round two. Are you interested? I'm like, (laughs) I'm like, I was going through radiation at the time. I'm like, sign me up, sign me up. Yes. You know, (laughs) so um, and I was getting ready to move and I'm like, I'm, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. It's so exciting because I didn't know what was going to happen with, um, writing books while one was going through radiation or moving cross country or, you know, any of that, right. so I'm like, you know, but I'm like, I can do this and I can learn. I can mm-hmm. learn I can get on the ground floor and I can learn. And ostensibly if I come away from this and I know how to write a game, because mm-hmm. I'm, 
I'm a novelist, right? For the most part, I'll have a whole new skill set. And games are growing. That's insane. Like the the amount, not only of games, but the gamification of other kinds of platforms. Yes, exactly. And that's what's so exciting is like, and being the control freak in terms of my stories, I'm like, gosh, won't it be fun to see my characters like, like with backgrounds and with like hairstyles and with like, you know, yeah. who's the love interest? What are they going to do? You know? Right. So much fun. A lot of hard work. Yeah. So, okay. Story loom aside, what are you, okay. In terms of novels, what is your plan going forward? Cause you've talked about lots of doing lots of different things, but have you sort of settled on how you would like that part of your career to develop going forward? I, yes, yes and no. I mean, I, you know, basically like when I had surgery for the, for the breast cancer, which was in March, um, and it was, you know, the DCIS, which is in my humble opinion, the best kind of, of, of breast cancer to get. Um, mm-hmm. not that one it would like to get any, but you know. So you mean, you mean the ductal best. carcinoma in C2, yeah. right? Yeah. 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 DC, DCIS, best, best mm-hmm. kind to get. And and um, I said, I need to take a break. I need to, I need to heal up. I need to go someplace that's more healing. I need to be kinder to myself. I need to let go of some of the stuff that I've been through the past like X number of years. And um, so the novels, I'm not sure. It's all I knew was that it was almost like kind of like a burnout, but mm-hmm. not just from writing, not just from writing. So I don't know. There's part of me, like I'm getting ready to republish. I, I did a, a part-time princess, like short story novella um, for um, Descent, which was an anthology to raise money for reproductive rights. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to republish that. I'm working on the cover right now. I have a, another Annie Graceland um, Cheesehead Lodge mystery that's half in the can. I've got another Annie Graceland before she moved away from L.A. that's half in the can. Um, I'm really, really on my wish list is to write a standalone thriller and possibly shop it to like Amazon, mm-hmm. you know, um, because I find myself really in the thriller headspace these, these days. I can't quite lose the romantic part of the thriller, you know, right. <laughs> um, I'm almost more in that headspace than I am in the cozies. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but I feel like it'll just kind of come up, you know yeah, what I mean? So, yes. It'll, it will work itself out. How can we say that? Right. right. Okay. You know, so then I ha- no, go ahead. No, there's, you said there's no, oh, there's, there's just no, there's no plans on giving up writing books. It's just, I don't feel the urgency to write, write five books a year, right, right now. <laughs> I don't know if any of us feel the urgency to write five books a year. Maybe there's somebody. It's not me. That's for sure. Um, (laughs) No, some reader recently said to me, oh, I see that you're having a book coming out in 2023. And I thought to myself, maybe. (laughs) Um, I mean, I have one coming out in a couple of weeks. That book is actually, I mean, it's written, done, edited, all that. But after that, I, well, we'll see. Let's move on. So what is it, what are you reading now that's interesting to you? Because I am on this, I've been spending a lot of time reading bestsellers. It's something I haven't done for years. I'm reading bestsellers to see where traditional publishing is going. And to be honest, after reading them, I've got no clue. But what 
kind of things are you reading now? What's like capturing your interest? Well, I, I've been listening to audiobooks, like, because I can do so many other things while I do that. Yes, I I listen to them while driving, trust me. That's what I did yesterday. Especially like when I didn't have a car, I'd walk to the grocery store and and listen to an an, an audiobook. And so um, I've been trying to listen to thrillers. I've been trying to listen listen to things that were big things um, through traditional publishing. Like I Mm -hmm. just listened to... um, uh, 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 um, um, Evelyn Hugo and her seven husbands, or something like yes, that. The seven husbands of Evelyn Hugo, or something like Thank that. Yeah, I have to think. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so then I got interested in in listening to. I wanted to listen to J- Daisy Jones and the Six. I started that. Did you finish that? I know because it was on my it was on my library. <laughs> it popped it out. My like, darn it. Um, I know. I only asked because I, many people have recommended that book to me. I have never gotten past chapter one. Um, I don't know. I don't know what it is. Is it because there's so many voices? There's so many characters? I don't know. (laughs) I tried audio and I tried reading it. And I, at some point I looked at it, I go, so I'm going to die one day and I don't need to spend any more time on this, but no. So, but um, like Mia Hopkins and you know, I'm sure you know her, she really enjoyed it. And there was somebody else who really enjoyed it. And I just, I, it's the Laurel Canyon story, right? Like I just couldn't figure out. Yeah. I just couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't get behind it, but I, it's the Taylor Jenkins read, right? I just um, don't know. I'll think about that later. It's just one of those things that a lot of people have read that I just am like, I don't think this is going to happen, but every so often I'll get an email from Goodreads where they're like, have you read that? You know, they're off. We're giving doing a giveaway of an ebook, a print book, an audiobook, And I'm like, yeah, I, I've tried all that. So I don't know if that's for me, but um, I know you, you were listening to a lot of bestsellers. What do you think? I'll ask you because a lot of people I know read mainly indie. What have you found to be the trend in some of these bestselling thrillers? Because I mainly read authors I already like. So I'll read Tana French, I'll read Michael Connell, I'll read Elizabeth George. And I've read some new ones and they seem to be like on a different, in a different whole world. I don't know what's going on over there. <laughs> I don't know. I'd be interested in your take on that. It's like, I found an author during COVID that I, there's a couple authors I fell in love with during COVID. Julia Heberlin. Um, I, I'm just, I, I like begged her for her next, for an arc of her next book. I'm like, please, please. <laughs> um, the guy that wrote Chris, Chris, Bed- Chris Bajalian, I'm probably butchering yes. his last name. Yeah. Um, I I flew through about five or six of his books until I hit one that didn't do it for me, but there was five or six that really did it for me. Mm-hmm. Um I um I don't know, it's I'm trying to to listen to more to get a, a handle on what um I love what bores me to tears. Um, Julia Heberlin, I just, I just love. I what just, does she write? I have not read. I've never heard of her. This is, and God. what does she write? Oh my God. Hang on. I don't want to hang up on you. So I'm going to try and find, find her on, <laughs> on my phone. Um, Paper Ghost Books, Julia Heberlin. She has one that's optioned with um, Sisters Production Company mm-hmm. that is called We Are 
we are all the same in the dark or something like that. Paper mm-hmm. Ghosts, a novel of suspense. Um, well, listen to this one. A gripping thriller about a man who may or may not have dementia and who may or may not be a serial, a serial killer. <laughs> um uh, oh my god, dementia is the that. best defense. I just want to write that now. Uh, sorry. Yeah, it would totally be Yeah. <laughs> so the 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 sister of one of the girls who was killed pretends to be this this guy's uh daughter and bus busts him out of the of the home to take him on a road trip to figure out where oh my god. He... Yes. Yes. Oh my god, so good. So she's got a new one coming out, but um pa- paper ghosts um, uh, we are all the same in the dark. She's got so many good ones, uh, Bl- black eyed Susans, and she's got a new one coming out in June. And when I read the description, I'm like, damn you, Julia Heberlin, I could have written that <laughs> except for the astrophysicist part. I could never have written that. You know? No, that's one thing that's beyond me. So what is it? So what? Okay. So let me say this. So what are you finding similar? Because the ones I'm reading, I read, well, I read Hidden Pictures. That was really popular. Um, and I read a couple of others. And, well, there are some that have, there are more supernatural elements than I've ever seen before. So that's different. Um, okay. And they're more, they're more domestic. So did you read The Perfect Marriage by Geneva Rose? Okay. Geneva Rose? No. Geneva with a J. Okay. Um, so it was the number one. It's number one in thrillers. It's been, I know, because whenever I go to the page to refresh to see where I am, that's always number one. It, it's a domestic thriller. Um, a, lot of, oh, a lot of them are domestic thrillers. And I, I will say this. I have found to be a trend in books where the women marry these guys that they don't know is a completely abusive, crazy control freak. And he hides right. them away and they can't leave. So he either takes her out of town to her house and hides her away. And that's like the third time he's done it. Or he keeps her in town and he hides her away. And it's about how she gets out. And usually there's a child involved, either not her child or her child, but either way, she can't leave the child behind. Um, And those are really popular. And I can't, I have a lot of questions about that because it feels like given, they always make it very hard. Like she has no cell phone and they has to lock her up during the day because of internet and all the other things involved. It's getting really, really, really hard to hide somebody. So kind of like what what was the one where that where that girl won the Academy Award, award the the woman it was Room right, mm-hmm. I think so. Room where where he where he stuffed her in the room in the basement and she yeah. was down there when yeah kind of kind of like that kind of genre that kind of like yes the she I have married this woman and it absconded her away and she has to get out but I, you know it always starts off sweetly he's perfect you know but he love bombs obviously and then somehow like hides her away and alienates her from her family, but not so in the, re- how can I say, it? I can't believe I say this out loud, not in the regular abusive way, but in the way oh where like God. literally she's in a room and he's starving her to death and he only takes her out for parties or, you know, whatever. Um, those are really, are they popular? Yes. Because there are quite a few bestsellers that were like that. So I read three or four of them and I thought, this is a the oddest thing I think I've ever read. B there are more of these than I would have thought. And C, why? <laughs> why? Why? You know, that's just it. It's like if I get to the point where I'm like, you know, the one with uh, the seven husbands of Evelyn Hugo. Mm-hmm. I'm like, there is a point. I was about a third of the way in, and I'm like, well, well, you know, darn it. 
this is a different story than what I thought it was going to be. Um, but that, but then I realized, well, she has me so invested with the characters. I just had to keep going anyhow. You know what right. I mean? And it almost sounds like what you're talking about with these other things. So I'm more of a, um, for, I, you know, I enjoy Alifer Burke, but I'm more of a person where I want to see things happen. Mm-hmm. I want, I want drama. I want twists and turns. I want drama. I want suspense. I want, smart characters i want um i just don't want someone to sit in a room the whole time because it'll make me mad they're a little they're a little hard because the women start off very smart and then they're they're out you know this always it always feels like the last time they're out and they're like well i'm in this restaurant and i have a car but i'm gonna go home even though he's acting really bizarre and then and they can't get out home, again you know <laughs> Little what's his name is acting weird. Like I'm like, don't no, don't no, that's the equivalent, you know, equivalent of the horror movie, you know, the horror movie, like don't don't answer the don't phone. Sit down the door. I know. I know. <laughs> Just this one time, you know. I was like, oh stop. Like, you know, that you know, so I, I hear that that's why I like, you know, Chris Bajalian and mm-hmm. and Julia Heberlin because they made it real for me. Like and that's what I want that sense of you know, how much can you do in a room? I mean, you know, if you got an hour and a half with a movie, it's different than if you've got eight hours with a book. That's true. Um, what you can do in a room is, no, <laughs> not, I will not tell you, um, but it's not a lot. Um, you look at the cracks, you look at the corners, you look at the lock that you can't open from the inside. Given the input of this sort of what's going on now, what would you imagine the next thriller that's sort of been... You have texted me, like, I have thrillers percolating, but what's sort of percolating in your mind in terms of how you'd like to, uh, how you'd like to come at that? Because I think you started moving, when the, with the courtesan books, you know, you started moving towards something more psychological. Um, is I, that you know, where I, you think I, you want to go? I really think so. I'll never forget, like, walking across La Cienega telling you my idea <laughs> Oh God, save us from LA, man! I, I, doing the parking math. Can we park here? It's got fifteen signs. I don't know. But and 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 it just spawned this this whole crazy series that to me was so like I really want to go in a in a thriller route to see what what because you know when I wrote when I wrote my YA time travel, which is Messenger. Mm-hmm. you know, messenger and believer and assassin and, and the seeker. I wrote that because it was a thriller. Ultimately. I'm like, it's uh, a thriller. Okay. Right. And then I, when I wrote the Annie Graceland book, which was my first book, I wrote it because it was funny. Mm-hmm. Okay. Funny. So funny. And then thriller seems to be my two things, even though they're in little niches thereof. Like when I wrote part-time princess, mm-hmm. um, I, my, my mother was dying. And I wanted to write the funniest book that I could write to help me get through what she was going through. Right. And so what was on my mind wasn't to write a book about royalty. What was on my mind was to write a super funny romantic comedy, totally fish out of water. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Mm-hmm. So that's where that came from. So I, I think my my mind is divided between and my heart, funny, and thrillers. Well, there's no there's a lot of road left. So you and you don't picking a lane is good, but you don't always have to stay on it, stay on course. So well, I, I do think 
Yeah, I think that giving myself permission to just get to a new place, heal up, get over some of the trauma from the past, whatever, five years, six years, whatever, and get in a better place physically and emotionally and, and mentally, and then the writing will fall where it needs to fall. With that, thank you so much, uh, Pamela Dumont, for having the time to do this chat today. Oh, so much fun. Thank you. Loved it. All right. Talk soon. Okay, honey. This has been a time to thrill with me, your host, author Amy Austin. If you enjoyed today's episode, I hope you'll share, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. It will help others find and enjoy my conversations with brilliant creators. Also, please hit the subscribe or follow button on your podcast app. In addition to hosting this podcast, I am also the author of the Nicole Long series of legal thrillers. The first two books in the Nicole Long series are now live. You can download Outcry Witness and Major Crimes to your e-reader right now. The third book in the new series, Without Consent, will be available in March 2023. In the meantime, you can pre-order it wherever you get your books. I am also the author of the Casey Court series of legal thrillers. These titles are available wherever books are sold, your local library, and also an audiobook. You can follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Legal Thriller Author. You can also find this podcast on Facebook at A Time to Thrill. Thanks for listening, and I'll be back with you soon with more great conversations.